the president is in East Palestine. Will he drink the water there? I mean, look, what I can tell you is the president's focus has been to do everything that he can to support this community from day one. We get what's going on on the ground. We understand what's going on. That's why we've had the EPA. That's why we had DOT. That's why we had HHS. That's why we've had FEMA on the ground. Um, you know, this is not about some sort of like political stunt here. This is not about, this is not what this is about. This is about this president being a president for everyone and showing up, showing up for this community. That's what this is about. I'm not going to get into some sort of political stunts about drinking about drinking water. What we're going to focus about is making sure they have what they need. And the president was invited by the mayor, by community leaders. He's going to show up. He always said he would be there when it was the most helpful. <laughs> See, it's a year later. It's a year later. Is in East Palestine. Uh, where did I just? Will he drink the water there? Okay, let's let's bring this down. I mean, look. I mean, look. Uh, what I can tell you is. What I can tell you, U.S. The Americans. The focus has been to do everything that he can to support this community from day one. We get what's going on on the we ground. We get it. We, we get understand it. what's going on. That's why we've had Listen to the vocal fry. That's why we had DOT. DOT. That's why we had HHS. That's HHS. why we had FEMA on the ground. Uh, um, you know, uh, you this know. is not about some sort of like political stunt here. This is political not- Political stunt here. About, this is not what this is about. About. This is about this president being a president. First of all, my hair looks a lot like hers right now. I just noticed this. Hold on. I kind of look like Karine Jean-Pierre right now. For everyone and showing up. Showing, showing up. up for this community. Showing up for this community on the one year anniversary after having absolutely neglected the community of East Palestine. That's what this is about. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. I'm not going to get into some sort of political stunts about drinking about drinking water. What we're going to focus about is making sure Focusable. they have what they need. That with everything. The president was invited by the mayor, by community leaders. Yeah, a year he's later. Show up. He always said. He always said he's going to show up when it was convenient. He would be there when it was the most helpful. When it was most helpful. First of all, that that old decrepit fool showing up anywhere is useless to everybody. Oh my goodness, she's the worst press secretary in the history of press secretaries. Okay, everybody, let me just make sure that we are live across the interwebs. I have no idea what I just did to my screen here. Uh, we are not streaming this one on YouTube for obvious reasons. My thumbnail man just said he sent me the thumbnail. Excellent, comma, thank you, exclamation point. I'm going to swap out the default thumbnail for the good thumbnail as we do the stream. Let me make sure that we are live on the Rumbles. Well, we'll start with vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Are we live right here? Refresh and press play. For obvious reasons, for obvious reasons, we're not doing this one on YouTube. Because I don't know what the bloody rules are anymore. I mean, the, it's not that the rules are unclear. They are deliberately opaque, but even deceptively opaque. We're on YouTube. As you know now, I'm appealing a recent removal of a video of mine because YouTube removed one of my videos for allegedly violating community guidelines. Ooh, that sounds terrible and scary, eh? After having manually approved the video for a monetization two days earlier. So it's not that the, it's not that the rules, you know, there are, the rules do not make sense. There are no rules. It's done specifically and deliberately to penalize creators, to shut them up and to let me just get past these ads, to weaponize the rules so they can go after politically disfavored, controversial 
um, creators. We're live across the interwebs. Good. So, by the way, uh, this is going to be a dedicated show to Jessica Rose and uh, a recent, I don't know if we call it a study, an analysis. It's going to be amazing. Uh, later today, I'm going to be on Owen Schroy with Owen Schroyer on InfoWars at 5 o'clock this afternoon. And I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to do a car vlog at some point throughout the day to talk about Big Fanny Willis. <laughs> I was going to say getting a spanking, but she didn't get a spanking. Uh, she got her fanny spared. Uh, so we're gonna, gonna there's gonna be some fun stuff. We're gonna get back to you know the politics and law and whatnot. But today we're gonna talk about you know the mild, mild cases of myocarditis. We're gonna talk about the adverse events that apparently don't exist. And um, you got a bunch of um, I'm not giving them a, a, an ounce more attention than they deserve. They deserve none, and therefore they get none. But you got people out there denying reality. And um, what is it? Liars figure and figures lie. I forget what the exact expression is. And now you may remember Jessica Rose uh, from such podcasts as ours multiple times now. She's amazing. Uh, scientist, I'll let her explain herself, her credentials. And um, as she does that, I'm going to go swap out the thumbnail so that we can not have my default thumbnail. Whatever. Uh, VivaBarnesLaw.Locals.com and... Um, and we're also on uh, Rumble. We're not on Twitter, and we're not on YouTube. So I'm going to bring Jessica in. Jess, ready? Three, two, one. Madam, how goes the battle? It's all right. How how's the how's the battle with you? <laughs> I am frustrated. I'm cranky. I don't want to say that I'm getting um, uh, more cynical than me than I need to be. I think I'm just getting realistic about life and and stuff like that. But. Um, Jess, while I go check the audio levels in the various communities, for those who might not know who you are, who are you, credentials, what you do, what you're doing, and where we are going today with this discussion? Well, I'm a girl who's got a safety pin holding her clothes together today. <laughs> so uh, be besides that, I, um, I have some, uh, some background in... Um, immunology, applied mathematics, computational biology, and uh, molecular biology, and also biochemistry. So it, uh, it gives me kind of a, uh, a unique um, ability to handle and process a lot of the, the things that have been going on in the last four years. Uh, I actually study the immunology of viruses, so it's, it's even more perfect. Um, never looked into coronaviruses before now, but uh, so yeah, the last four years I've I've used um, just about something from each of those degrees uh, to put together the story of what I think is happening here. Um, but I've been doing it from the point of view of analyzing uh, pharmacovigilance data because I like uh, I like the idea of coming. First of all, I like the idea of using data that represents people because ultimately that's I, I just want to help people. That's all all I've ever wanted to do with my um, with my abilities, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a hardcore way to to ask people questions because it's government data, and it's it's really easy to see what's going on there, and all you really have to do is like give it back to them and say explain. <laughs> I, mean, let, I just want to back it up a little bit so that people who want to attack credentials uh, will either have the fodder or lose the ammunition. You have a PhD in what now? I forget. Computational biology. Computational biology. I didn't forget because I would never remember those words. <laughs> and what, what, so Jeff, how many years have you been doing research and studying for? It's going to be like decades now. 
Yeah. Um, well, right out of high school, I, uh, I graduated high school and went to university and I basically never left. So I've been a full-time student my whole life what and I'm only 50. Computational biology. Okay. Yeah. So now, I mean, I know that we've discussed this. We're not going to go into the depth that we did the first time we did the live stream, but what does that mean? So basically it's, it's a way to study, um, biological systems using math, uh, in, in the context that I, uh, I worked, um, uh, well, actually I was, this is like my first, um, experience with a big data set. It was still about viruses. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't really about the thing that I was doing in my immunology degree program, which was also, uh, interdisciplinary. I actually had an advisor in the applies, applied mathematics uh, field and the immunology field because neither one knew anything about the other field. So I'm a mathematical biologist. That's that's a much better way to say it. Like we're we're really rare breed. Um, the mathematicians think the biologists are BS. The biologists think the mathematicians are wrong. So it's like <laughs> to, to to be doing both is kind of a weird thing. Alex and Washburn knows this, but. Uh, so yeah, I, I I study biology using math. All right, and and you have some uh, you've dabbled in immunology as well. Well, immunology is is like the core, I guess, of what I've done. It, it was the second degree that I did the the Bachelor of Science with the with the combo math thing because um, it was just such a serious program. It was three years. It was really difficult. I was in the level three lab. It was I was studying HIV immunopathogenesis, which is basically like the immune response to HIV in chronically infected people. So I was doing work in the level three lab, like, you know, um, analyzing HIV infected blood. And I was also doing the modeling on, on the math side. So I built a mathematical model to try and demonstrate that people could go on uh, interruptions, structured treatment interruptions is what it's called. Because for those of you who don't know, if you get diagnosed with HIV, oftentimes your, your practitioner will, um, put you on antiretroviral drugs to keep your viral load down. And, uh, those things are really toxic. They've probably gotten better over the years, but back when I was doing this, they were very bad. I mean, basically you didn't, you probably didn't feel bad before you take the drugs and then you take them and you feel like crap. So, my idea was to try and help people get off those things for like three week periods. So I was trying to show that using the lab data and also the math model. And I didn't succeed, which is, uh, it's not a total, uh, loss because I learned an enormous amount and about half of the community kind of said, you, you never could succeed because it's, it's, you can't do it. But then there's the other half of us who really believe in the idea. And I'm still one of those people. I just, I think maybe, you know, maybe if I dedicated my entire life to that, you know, keeping that project going, I, I probably could have done something better. But, meh, you know, it was, that was my project. And um, so, yeah, I, uh, I don't even remember what I was saying, but. Uh, well, no, that was just so that people understand the, the, the depth and specialty or specialization of your of your knowledge um mathematical biologist I, okay i like that term and now jess so we when we originally did the first stream we talked about a paper that you had written with peter mccullough 
that was ready for publication. I think it was back in, tw I, how, how far back, 2021? Yeah. And yeah. it was, it was withdrawn. Now get, you have to contextualize that for us, what happened, what you did at the time and why the paper was, was pulled. Okay. I'll tell you as much as I know. And, and I mean, I mean that cause I don't know much cause there's not much to know. Um, I, it was the third paper that I wrote on the subject of uh, VAERS data. So the first paper I wrote was general. It was about like um, a subtypes of adverse event, uh, adverse events in VAERS like that fit into the realm of cardiovascular, neurological, immunological, this kind of thing. The second one, I was uh, examining the pharmacovigilanceness of this database, like how well is it working? Um, and this third one was a more focused approach on what was going on with myocarditis reports, because there was, you know, there was talk on the town, the research community town, that this thing was bad for kids. Uh, the, the shots, I mean, were, were causing problems in, in children, young children, like we're talking 12 to 15, um, and primarily boys. If, so I may, if I may stop you there, when you say talk within the community, there was public talk or people, you know, coming out with certain uh, suggestions or observations. Is this like chatter within that's not public among scientists? Say like, we're, we're talking among ourselves, but we don't dare go public with this? Pretty much like medical doctors who were, who were looking, who were doing certain tests, who were checking troponin levels, who were, you know what I mean? It's like no, nobody, not many of, I don't, I don't exactly know the ratio, but I would say not very many general practitioners uh, we're, we're doing these tests, especially in the context of someone coming to their office suspecting that it was the shots, because the first thing I hear that the doctors would say is, no, it can't be the shots. We have to look for something else here, some other cause. So it's it's just something, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'd have to think harder about how it was identified, but I, it came from the most important thing, the nurses and the doctors. You know, like when... If there's an issue with women giving birth to babies, the best people to talk to are the doulas. You know, it was that kind of phenomenon. There's a group of people that you can always go to who have the dirt. You know what I mean? They're hanging around the water cooler. They know everything. So this this was that phenomenon in the medical community. So so I dove into VAERS and I, I pulled out the myocarditis reports. Uh, this wasn't pericarditis or myopericarditis, and that also has a story because the reports that were being done out of the CDC on this issue, once it became not uh, hideable, was, I mean, it's just crazy how many things they did to, in my opinion, to hide the problem. They, they used the MEDRA code, which is the diagnostic term that you use to enter into VAERS, myopericarditis, which is not the same as myocarditis. If a doctor gives you a diagnosis of myocarditis and that's entered into VAERS as myopericarditis and you seek the word out in a query, myocarditis, you're going to miss all of those other, if you get my drift. Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's sort of like uh, it's, it's spreading them out as opposed to concentrating yeah. them. But, and that's one of the, the biggest things in VAERS that I never get to talk about enough, which I did cover in my second paper. It's a phenomenon. I think last count, there were like about 10 ways to describe an abortion, like MEDRA code terms, 
So in, instead of just, just write the bloody word miscarriage and or abortion, spontaneous or something like that, there's like 10 different ways to say it. So no, no, it, and it's like, it could be like, it, it, whereas you would lump them all together in an ordinary honest world, they go myocarditis, myopericarditis, post pseudo myopericarditis, myopericarditis conjoint. And so that it, it's like, oh, well, we only have five cases of myocarditis, but there are 50 of this. Yes. Okay, amazing, corrupt, disgusting. Unless there's a scientific medical need to make that subspecification and just remind everybody or refresh everybody's memory, myocarditis is inflammation of the heart, pericarditis is inflammation of the sac around the heart. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, what was the other one you just said? A third one. Sorry, so what's that? That's uh, bacterial, which is like the, the lining of the, the inside uh, area of the heart. So that's that's different. That's caused by a bacteria. So yeah, peri is the perimeter. Myo is, is refers to the muscly, the myocytes are the things that help the heart beat. And the endo is like inside, you know, the, the prefix is refers to the inside. So when we're look, like, I, I, I made it easy on myself. Well, not really. I so there's a presentation given by it was either John Su or Shima Bakuro uh, from the CDC presenting this data, and there's a slide that I'll, I will send to you so you can put it up here mm -hmm. that shows the list. It's a long list of different ways to define myocarditis, and they're all medically valid, just like you said. But when you're collecting data and you're counting myocarditis cases, it's very important to, you know. Uh, define these things properly and categorize them properly, like put them all under another subheading called myocarditis and make that the preferred term. You know what I mean? So well, how about how about heart issues at large? And then if you want to go subdivide within. Um... Well, they, they do do that. But the thing is, the preferred term is kind of like the it's not the largest category, but it's one of the larger ones. And it's the one that they use in VAERS. So it's like Anyway, th they know these issues, they create more by doing this, by diversifying the diagnosis, and they make uh, data analytics really hard. But I, 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 I pushed back and I did a search for all of these things and I, I've written a number of articles on that. But for the purposes of this paper that I penned in, I think it was May, 2021, I finished writing it. Um, May, 20, May 2021 is roughly, I mean, give or take, they started rolling out the jab. Yeah. What was it like late December, 2020, January, 2021? Yeah. So, so it was early. Like yeah. my, uh, was it 2020? Yeah, it was. Um, so it was early. I did all this work. Um, we had enough of a signal in VAERS for this stuff in January, uh, 2021. So it, it was, it was easy to kind of see, and it was easy to write a paper about it. So, um, Basically, I counted the number of myocarditis reports and I plotted them. Uh, I plotted the age of the people who had diagnosis against, you know, the number of cases against dose. Because I wanted to see, like, was there a difference in age, like the distribution of the reports by age? And was there a difference in the pattern according to dose? So um, it was it, it was like a sore thumb. It just stuck out like this, like crazy. The preponderance of reporting was being done in 12-year-olds. And when you also um, um, checked by sex, you would see that it was mostly boys, like 80-something percent of the reports were coming from little boys. So it was really obvious that something unique was going on here. 
and these incre- the, the reporting increased fourfold. It was, it was something more, back then it was like fivefold. It, it remains at about fourfold higher following dose two. So there was this like double whammy going on here in young boys. And so once, once this kind of got, got out, like they, they knew because they were presenting data on it. Like I said, John Su and Shima Bukuru, uh, you can download their, their presentations uh, on, uh, you just have to type in their names and, and go CDC and myocarditis and you'll find their presentations. And um and they reported on this and they reported on the higher rate uh, in young boys. It's right there. But what they did was what they have been consistently doing with this DNA contamination story. They're minimizing it and they're saying that it doesn't pose a risk because myocarditis is is mild and transient and it's neither of these things. Look, two, two questions, actually. Someone in our locals community wants you to define dose. The report is per dose, correct? The yeah, various so reports each, are per dose. Yeah, so each, uh, there's like 52 variables that you enter when uh, you combine the three files in VAERS. So one of them is the uh, VAX dose series. So you can see if it's someone's first dose or their second dose or their third dose, et cetera. So all the information is there. It's like VAERS is very well, um, the fields are very well occupied. Uh, and there's like millions of reports now in the context of uh, this COVID shit. So it's it's like really, there's a lot of data. Um, so yeah, uh, I wrote the paper and I thought, well, what, what the hell do I know about hearts? So I, I thought I knew about Peter McCullough. I can't, uh, I, I think I asked someone for his email. I wrote him an email. I said, hey, I wrote this paper. Uh, it would be nice to have a cardiologist on as an as a co-author uh, because you know I, I need confirmation that I'm correct and blah blah. And so he he was yeah he said yes right away and he he wrote um, some extra sections on the heart stuff and gave some clinical stuff which is really important because you know it validates uh, what you're seeing in the data because VARES also had, has information on test measurements like troponins and uh, cardiac MRI data. It's not like enough to be able to draw a conclusion, but it can corroborate what someone's seeing clinically. So it was important. Um, so yeah, we, we, we got it finished uh, and we, we submitted it, it got accepted. Sorry, do you wanna? Yeah, I wanted to ask one more question first. Um, when they say mild and transient in terms of minimizing the myocarditis, have you done any analysis or study or, or number crunching as to prognosis, survival rate after a diagnosis with myocarditis? Because there's a, I, I don't believe them, but you know, you see these memes or these uh, posts that, you know, 50% of people with myo diagnosed with myocarditis are dead after five years. I don't yeah. believe it's quite that, uh, you know, bad, but have you, have you done any number crunching on survival rate and prognosis for people diagnosed with myocarditis? No, I haven't, but uh, I've asked that same question to cardiologists, including Peter McCullough. And uh, it's, I, I'm not sure I would say five, but it's, I've heard 10 years. So here's the thing about it. I mean, I think of it like this. If, if somebody's got uh, fibrotic scarring, from a myocardial insult for whatever reason, it's probably the immune system attacking, you know, the spike protein, which is embedded in, in, the, in the cells of the, of the myocardium. It's probably that. 
that's the itis, the inflammation of, of this uh, myocardium, um, then that's the, the, the bad part about it. It's just like neurons. They're not replenishable cells. So once they're damaged, and, and the whole thing with the, the, these cardiomyocytes is that they're flexible. They, they're the ones, the muscly things that let the heart do boom, 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 boom. So if that gets replaced with scar tissue, it, the way that I, I analogize this is I compare it to like a, like a rubber band versus like like a string. You know, it's like this has a lot of give. And if you replace that with, you know, something that doesn't have any give and this thing is supposed to be like beating. No, I mean, just, just, just the analogy is put a rubber band out in the sun for a year and then see how rubber bandy it is. And then is it going to is it going to do what it's supposed to do as a rubber band? <laughs> it's going to, it's going to, A, it's not going to retract. And then it's also going to snap. I don't know if that's analogous to the heart, but the bottom line is, yeah, it's got to be flexible to, to do the pumping. Yeah. And, and if it's not, okay. And, and so the, so it's, I mean, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm still now thinking back. Like, you, you can't really say because like, this is the tricky thing, but this is also why it's preposterous that once it was even like, there was even a notion of this happening in kids there should have been a moratorium called or or at least some kind of temporary cessation because you can't know, you can't really know unless you like cut someone open what the magnitude of the scarring or the damage is. So if it's just minimal, maybe they're going to have a pretty normal life. But who freaking knows? We, we don't even know uh, which people have maintained spike production protein, uh, protein production. Like we, we do know that it's a thing that spike protein production can be continuous. We do know that the, you know, anyway, so we have all these unanswered questions that, that lead to the, the, the end game for most people. The only thing most people care about is how they feel and their quality of life. So if that basically shortens your life or, or, like doesn't improve or uh, reduces the quality of life, that's what the, they're going to care about. So it's like basically what was being given to them could potentially do both of those things. And it's like, why the hell, you know what I mean? You, you, you already know. It's no, like, for, well, I, I, I'm trying to find the tweet as we're talking. It's another guy, the, the writer for the Daily the Daily Show, uh, just died of a heart attack. He also, you know, put out a, a, a post get fucking vaxxed, you fucking fuckers. And one of those stupid oh, posts. Yeah, yeah. And the, the idea is like, on the one hand, you know, I'm thinking people who are angry and stressed in general are probably going to be more likely to suffer heart attacks, especially if they're overweight. This guy looked like he might have been all three. But you're talking about messing with the heart. And, and I had this discussion recently with people where one of the doctors, after the Twitter space, if he's a real person, I don't even know if these people are bots, admits that he got myocarditis from his first Moderna shot, but that in his stress test, he, he registered 180 beats per minute with, uh, there was a, another term that he's using. And I'm like, you're not, I don't, you're not supposed to reach 100% capacity even during a stress test. What fucking damage has this guy done to his heart? And does he understand it despite what he's continuing to promote? Or does he convince himself, well, they said it's gone, so it's gone. And I'll find out in 10 years whether or not it's gone. I would love to know the stats, like like meaningful study of the stats of people diagnosed yeah. with, with myocarditis prognosis. Okay, that answers the question as to, you know, mild, mild and, you know, never mind, it's just a little myocarditis in developing kids and hearts. 
Okay, so you're do the signals are there. This is the other uh, shocking thing everybody really has to appreciate. And actually, before I say that, there's a chat in Rumble that says you are one of the crowd's favorite guests on the channel, Jessica. But it's, well, it's it's a reasonable people who are smart and and uh, and well researched and well okay. So the signals are there as early as rollout in January 2021, mm -hmm. and it's a game of the deny, admit but minimize, admit but normalize. Yes. Who who are the two doctors? You, you mentioned their name. There was a Japanese one in there, I think. Who who were the two doctors uh, talking about it at the time, or or doing studies on it at the time? Oh, uh, you mentioned well, two earlier, and I, don't, I didn't catch their names. Well, Peter, obviously, he's one of the only cardiologists I know. Um, I'm trying to remember, uh, I'm in a bunch of groups, and like one of them is medical doctors, and uh, it, it was just being talked about. I, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to. Think oh, no, you, you mentioned two names who were looking at the looking at the signals in January. They had talked about it or pointed. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So you're right. <laughs> it'll, it'll come back. So you're, you're looking at this at the time. You collect and aggregate the data. Varus, it's not just um, notoriously difficult to use for a layperson. I think it's deliberately impossible to use. So you are gathering the data. You see these uh, egregious, um, what we call signals. You, you, you want to get the confirmation of somebody else with an, I'd say, an equally open mind. Someone else will call him a conspiracy theorist. You get Peter McCullough. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so yeah, he's the, an epidemiologist and, uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm losing the, the term that he uses. Yeah. He's a cardiologist though. He, he's for decades. He's very, very well published. Um, he's, he's been editor of journals. I mean, the guy's like, he's like what everyone would want to be in the academic and the clinical world. He, he kind of reached the height of both of those things. So he's, yeah, he, he's a, he's a big deal. Like he's, what, he's, what, what I love is, you know, when you have these discussions, people say, well, you're not an epidemiologist, so you shouldn't, you don't have, get to have an opinion, a contrary opinion. If you agree with them, you could be a freaking veterinarian like Albert Bourla, and they'll agree with you. And then when you are the specialist, you are the epidemiologist, you are the cardiologist like McCullough, like Mal Malhotra. Well, then they say, well, you're a quack, so we disregard your opposition. Okay, so you get McCullough, he comes in, he looks at your data, and what does he say, and how does it lead to the first paper being written and withdrawn? Okay, I already wrote it. So the, the body was there. So his job was easy. He had to come in with the doof, doof, like cardiology stuff, the clinical stuff that he'd been seeing in his practice, which is great. Because, you know, he, he could confirm or deny what I was seeing in VARES from test measurement point of view from his practice. So he already, he already knew because he's one of the doctors who's a cardiologist who was seeing patients the whole time. He was seeing his regular patients and he was seeing COVID patients. So he, he had, um, he had his, uh, you know, his fishing pole in the water. So he added sections. He helped with editing. Um, he, he, he really, he helped with the whole thing. And then we decided he, he's the one who decided on the journal to submit to, um, cause he, he, you know, he knows this stuff and I'm still kind of a young scientist. So, um, he he basically was you know the the take charge on the on the um the submission we paid uh the fee well he paid the fees and we asked for color um uh proofs because the figures would lose meaning without color basically we just got to the end and then it got it got e published it was up on pubmed as well which is like basically that's it, you know, 
we, we, we're done. <laughs> um, and then a few, a few days before we were supposed to get the, I, we were, we were waiting for the final proofs to be approved. And instead of getting the approval for the final proofs, we get an email. Um, no, sorry. Back up, Jess. This was a long time ago. I got a message on my, you know, one of my, my followers was saying, Hey, how come you, the title of your paper on Elsevier has withdrawn next to the title? No, sorry. Originally, it was temporarily withdrawn. So I was like, what? And so I was like, you know, I, I wrote to Peter right away and I said, did you do this? Like, did you ask for it to be withdrawn? Because <laughs> it's, it's got this thing next to it. And so I, I, again, I'm a young scientist. I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is normal. So I wrote to everybody I knew, knew in the sphere, like the academic sphere. And I'm like, has this happened to you before? And, and Peter was, he was very sure right away. He's like, because he knows, right? He's in this world. He said, no, this is not normal. So he says, write to them and ask them what's going on. So they didn't send us an email telling us that this was going to happen. We found out both by, in, by other people telling us. So I, uh, I sent a polite email, you know, being Canadian. And I said, hey, uh, what's on the go? Um, what's up with that? And uh, so they wrote back pretty, no, it, it wasn't pretty fast. It was uh, a few days later, I think. It might've been a week. Yeah, it was seven days later or something. It, it was a few days later. And they said, well, we're, we're reconsidering publishing your paper. Is, is your, the, there's a buzzword that people use. Was your paper peer reviewed? Yes, when... of course. Yeah. I'm skeptical of peer reviewed stuff, just seeing what has been withdrawn, retracted from Lancet and other, other well, publications. If it gets to that point, it's past peer review. So yeah, and that, that's the thing, right? So this, this is where you can start to see that something wasn't right here. Someone, someone said, someone said, what the F, pull this shit, like, cut, cut, the, cut the feed. This is like the E. Jean Carroll Anderson Cooper, cut the commercial and shut this, shut them up. Okay, amazing. Yeah, put, put the screen up with standing by with the dog, with the TV. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> that, that really does seem like what happened. I, I'm a rational, logical, skeptical person, but... If I was going to guess, I'd say that's exactly what happened. Now, I, um, now, I just want to click on one of these just to see what happens. I got to get to the window somewhere in the back. Now, do, do, do the uh, do PubMed withdrawn a report on myocarditis? It's on PubMed as a withdrawn article. So anyway, uh, I, I wrote to them and they said, yeah, we're reconsidering. And I was like, um, huh? So I, 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 I'll, I I'll go to and, and national and whatever this one is withdrawn. Yeah. Who withdrew it? <laughs> exactly. it's, listen, I'm getting to that. Um, so I, I got the advice from Peter as to what to do, how to proceed, because he knows I don't. And he said, uh, I, I, I'm going to write them. And I'm, so we all got on the email then. We were all ready on the email. I was just CC'd here. And he's, he basically just said, reinstate the paper or we're going to sue because we, we'd already paid the, the thing. And, and they said they were going to give our the money back. And I think that they did. But the, the big question was, um, you know, wh why did this happen? And so we heard from them a day later. 
I, I just want to point one thing out here. Sue not just for your fees. This article has been withdrawn at the request of the authors and or editors. Well, it's Edit. certain, it certainly wasn't withdrawn at the request of the authors. And that is, um, you know, the, the either false light or defamatory. Yeah, it's deceptive. And so, like, um, they, they came back to us pretty fast after that. And they had a definitive answer. They said, we're not going to publish your paper. We've decided... Um, you know, it's it's within our uh, guidelines to, at any point during the procedure to to not continue. And they were correct. But um, and, and I guess they gave back Peter's money and stuff. But it's like, why? And, and I, I, I said, what on, on what um, uh, premise? Like, why are you doing this? There's there's nothing wrong with the science. You have you haven't told us there's a, a problem with the data with the conclusion, with the work, with, with no, the... No, there's a, there's a problem with the conclusion. It's it's justified by the data. I mean, that's that's the that's the problem. Yeah, so we never got an answer, and it just got left hanging. And even Retraction Watch contacted me, and they're like, what was up? And I told them, and they contacted the editor, and they didn't get any answer from them. So a lot of people in, in, in the world were watching this happen, and nobody got an answer from them. Nobody. Nobody. So it's it, it's exactly what you just said. It ended up looking so like me, because if you're an academic and you have a retraction on your publication list, it's really bad for you. Mm -hmm. Really it's like, it's bad. Like, it's like a community notes on Twitter until you realize it's all political bullshit. And the only people who care about it are the ones who want to use it against you. But you know, well, now we know that. But like historically, it's like it's this like scarlet letter. And, mm -hmm. and it's bad. It's not it's not seen as a as a thing like let's just say things were kind of normal and i was trying to get another postdoc and i had this retraction on my on my resume you know it would probably prevent me from getting positions or it could possibly that that's the thing and as you pointed out the only thing that you get now instead of any text at all is this stupid message that we had nothing to do with um well, I, I definitely had nothing to do with it. Like we, we just—it's—it's it's not well, correct. It, it, to suggest it was the authors is is overtly misleading, deceptive, and dishonest. Okay, so you, the, 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 it gets canceled, uh, and then what? It's sitting on a shelf, and the, the study that we're going to look at in a second basically re is um, up-to-date analysis of the data from then to now. Yes. Yeah. So I I got really upset, and I. Uh, and I was told, you know, Peter said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, you know, sue them and da, da, da. Um, everybody got busy I, and it just kind of petered out. And I, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these people that, that knows anything about suing anyone. So I'm, <laughs> no, I, 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 I can tell you, but you're better off avoiding it at all costs. Even if you have yeah. go, go and get caught up in litigation, have a, a, a biased court, dismiss it. Then not only were you withdrawn, it was ratified by the court. And then look what you exactly. So that might be what happened. So I, I, I just, you know, whatever it's, it's fine. And I was upset about it for a long time. And then I don't know what happened one day. It, it literally was one day. Um, I was like, screw this i'm gonna i'm gonna update the myocarditis paper and like freaking resubmit it so that's what i did i i took the the idea the body and i updated it and it looked even worse <laughs> and i uh, added but, but when you say it looked even worse you mean the data and the conclusions yeah so i had way more data think about this i have like two years more data 
Uh, so a lot more data points. Um, it, it not not only were the the original points more solid as a rock, but I had more data to draw conclusions about what was going on in terms of severity. So that's the really important thing about the newly updated version that that's now been really published. Um, is that we we show not only that this happens in kids, it happens after dose two, but it's leading to hospitalization in 76% of the time and also to death. So it's it's definitely not mild and or transient. So that's what I would say is like the most important thing about um, this new paper. Uh, it's unfortunate that it came two years too late and, uh, well, it, see, I, I was gonna say unfortunate, but almost necessary because, you know, other than, uh, the passage of time and more data, uh, what's also clear is that public opinion or the, the, uh, what's the word when you get chastised into not talking, the stigma about talking about it is certainly gone because it's undeniable now. Yeah. And so it's almost like the, the, the scientific environment is more amenable to even having the discussion because it's so bloody in your face and undeniable. Whereas two years ago, it was shut up, continue with the rollout because we got 6 billion of these to administer. So the, the, the culture has changed and we're gonna yeah. get into the data. So this one is peer reviewed or re-peer reviewed or peer re-reviewed? Oh, oh man, this, this is peer reviewed multiple, multiple, multiple times because um, the, the number of times that it got rejected after going through multiple rounds of peer review with different journals, <laughs> we're documenting that. We've documented that. So uh, Nick Hulcher is is an additional author on this paper, and he he really is to uh, to he's the one responsible for this thing getting published because he's uh, he, he was very very good at getting this through. Um, and making sure you know the revisions were made properly blah 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 um so th this got this paper has been going through peer review in different journals and getting rejected at the last minute for months so this final paper that accepted it is is one of many so it's been through the washer so anyone who want to say you know it's not peer reviewed is <laughs> yeah it's peer reviewed a lot of years and, and with, with with that thorough uh, introduction and if i decide to snip and clip this portion where you're going to explain the data to youtube and they can you know accept my fingers if they decide to pull it down uh let me pull up the 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 study and we're going to go through why do i see court filings here because i said okay fine um jess i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it up i'll go to the top and you'll, you'll walk us through the findings. Maybe I don't need it up here the, the entire time to, um, to go through the findings, but I'll just read the, well, what do I want to do? Background. So let's go to the figures, okay? Because that's, that's what most people are going to uh, respond to anyway. Tell me we where that just, is. Oh, just keep going. Results. Here's one. So, yeah, go to figure, figure one. Figure one is this. Yes. Okay, so now if I... Okay, this tells I'll, I'll the story it. of the adverse events in VARES in total over the last 30 years. So this is basically a comparison of the total number of adverse event reports filed to VARES. This is all adverse events, not just myocarditis, yeah. for all vaccines combined until 2021, when I 
pulled out only the adverse event reports in the context of the COVID products. So this, this chart is really important to set the stage because it's, you know, so there are a lot of- Prior to all of the gray is all vaccines ever, which includes the annual flu shot? Yes. Okay, and then the purple is only the COVID shots, yes. only the adverse events reported in conjunction with the COVID shots. Yes. Okay, and now the question that people ask, these are the raw numbers that at the total, not a percentage of no. uh, well, okay. No, so these are the, 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 the absolute counts. So, and these are people. So I don't count, I know it says adverse event on the left uh, axis, but this is the adverse event in the context of people. So I count the number of people who actually reported a multitude of adverse events. If I was going to talk about the number of adverse events per person, th this would be like in the 5 million range. So it's, this, this is an important point because VAERS is a, um, it's a database for real people who are suffering sometimes very severe side effects to report their injuries. So each one of these points is a person. Let so, me ask, let me ask another question. The, uh, and just for, for comparison purposes and so we can digest it internally. In 2020, all vaccines, that's the number in gray. How many doses of all vaccines were administered in 2020 prior to the COVID jab? Do you know that offhand or is that? Is that uh, I do know, but I don't know it offhand. I mean, it's, it's, it's hundreds of millions because it's like, it's yeah. hundreds of millions of flu shots alone. Well, that's, so, that's where, that's where I want to like it. Just, is it, is it 10 times less? Is it a hundred times less than the COVID jab in 2021? The total number of shots, I don't know, but the, the flu, it, the comparison between 2020 and 2021 is that there were 2.3 times as many COVID shots given out as the flu shots. Okay. So you would, go ahead. No, no, I'm, then that answers the question. Two, let's just yeah. say two and a half times more COVID jabs than uh, flu shots. Then you would expect that this little purple bar at most, at most to be two and a half of the little gray That's bars. Right. And the reason why that is, is because here, here's the thing, people. If there wasn't something different, inherently different in terms of adverse events between these products and let's just say the flu products, and there was a 2.3 time, 2.3 times as many shots given out for the COVID products, then we would expect 2.3 times or 2.5 times, whatever, uh, as many adverse events because it would be proportional because the, the so-called damages would be equatable. So this is a very clear, just this one thing is a very clear indication that there's something different about these things. So um, a lot of people are saying, nah, it's just because they gave out more shots. No, 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 no. I, I've, it's not in this paper, but I've, I've broken that um, down using napkin math. It's absolutely false. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking now and just, I don't know, it's from the CDC. So 2019 to 2020, 175 million doses of the flu shot. Yeah. And so let's just say COVID shot 2021 number. Oh, I have to go with US, I guess. I'll find it out. But the bottom line is, it's, it's simply, you know, if anybody wants to try to write it off and say, well, they administered 100 times more jabs than flu shots, no. it's simply false. It is. Or it's, and, even though they did administer more COVID shots, it's not proportional when we look at the data. Like the 
the number of reports, like even if this was 20 times, maybe, you know, I'd be like, may, you know, okay. So maybe there's something, some extra immunological component here, but this is really, really different. Mm. This is, this is more than an anomaly. Like, <laughs> okay. It's no, it's, it's it, even if they administered three times as many COVID jabs yeah. as flu shots, then it would be 300,000. It would be a proportionate claim. It's exceedingly okay. disproportionate to the amount of doses administered. Okay. Very. And that is, that is, Conclusive and indisputable. Yes. And, and just to add to that, um, I, I look deeper into the range of adverse events that are being reported in the context of the flu shots within a given time frame and the range of adverse event reports uh, for the COVID shots in the same number of days time frame. And there's um, a huge discrepancy between the, the number of uh, types I'm talking about like the diagnoses associated with the shots being given in the context of flu being much narrower than for the COVID shots. So this is very telling. It's, it's literally translated. Something about these is causing more systemic damage. And it's interesting because that's what we're hearing clinically as well. It's like we're from Bell's palsy to, um, to, to death. I mean, it's it's there, there's this huge range of of clinical pathology associated with these shots, and it's irrespective of age. It's irrespective of of well, maybe not irrespective of a precondition, but it's it's it, it's certainly you're you're not um, you're not immune because you're young, for example. Um, from it's, suffering adverse events. I'm sorry, I just got very frustrated because I, now I'm looking up in the CDC. Here, let, me, let me bring this up, Jess. Uh, I have to toggle a couple of screens here. Stop screen. Just, I mean, just because I, I, I remember getting this number to figure out what the proportion of claims to doses administered was. The yep. total number of doses administered as of, as of like beginning to today, 676 million. To, so you, you just go break that down. That's the amount of doses given and claims made at the Varus. And for whatever you think that they're worth, break it down and you can get your claim per dose. And uh, I forget what it was now, but it was, it was significant. That's 676 million over 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. So let's just say 200 million. And you're, and you're, and you're almost, let's say double, double the flu shot. And so try to make sense of that graph, which we're going to go back to right now. Okay. Sorry, please carry on. I'm going to give myself a heart attack here. <laughs> Jess, hold on. Get this back. You're fine. Um, so the next one over, B, is this exact same concept, except for myocarditis reports. So it's, it's the exact same picture, and, and you'd kind of expect it to be, because within that um, total number of adverse events, you're going to have you know, subgroups of cardiovascular reports. And within that, you're going to have myocarditis reports. And in each case, any query that you do for any adverse event um, by Medra code, it, it looks like this. It's, it's not only for myocarditis. So um, it's, uh, it's not something you can look away from. It's, it's teacher question. Um, I mean, if this is, this is, wildly disproportionate, even if we, you know, even if we're operating on the two and a half times as many doses of the jab administered as the flu, I don't know, as a matter of policy, do they administer to the flu? Do they administer the flu shot to children six months and up? Or did they prior to 2021? 
I don't know. I, I would say no, but I really don't know. Okay. I, I know almost nothing about uh, vaccination anymore. No, well, I mean, it's. It, it, but the, the, the bottom line is I'm just trying to figure out, uh, you know, because you're going to break this down by age bracket and it's going to make a lot more sense the number of claims you're getting. And the question the I'm asking is... The majority of people who are getting flu shots, yearly flu shots, are older people. Yeah. So... Yeah. And it's certainly not it's certainly not been added to the I don't, as far as I know, the flu shot has not been added to the children's vaccination so. schedule. So w when we see this number and you're going to probably tell us that this number in the red 2414 is uh, disproportionately within a younger demographic, mm -hmm. uh, it, it this this wildly disproportionate graph makes all the more sense, assuming that the flu shot is not mm, forcibly administered to young boys which I don't think it is, certainly not by vaccine passports and requirements to enter a library. So that'll explain why this graph is even more disproportionate than the overall VAERS reports year over year, 2020 to 2021. Okay, please continue, Jess. Okay, so go to the C. Um, so what I did, uh, just as an exploratory thing, um, and because we had so much data when I, when I was looking at this again, um, I downloaded the Our World in Data data for the number of doses administered in the states. Um, so this is, again, you know, it's their data. It's not mine. And then I pulled out the myocarditis cases, um, you know, that have occurred regardless of age for, you know, since the beginning of the rollout, which you can see by indicated by the purple line. You can kind of see when it happened anyway. <laughs> it's like when the blue line starts to go up. Um and you can see it's it's I laughed when when I saw that I see, these are coming from two different places. OK, this is OWID data and VAERS data. And I superimposed them according to the dates of the um, the data points. And this is what popped out. So it couldn't be more indicative that the the myocarditis in red is tracing the new injections in blue. By by what? By two weeks? It, it's about yeah, I think so. It was about it was about ten days, I think. And uh, and I I got I'm gonna stop you there also because I'm gonna I'll I'll steal man what I know the liars would say, they're gonna say, COVID uh, myocarditis infection myocarditis from viral infection is a very you're more likely to get it from COVID than the jab. If that were true, Jessica, and you'll correct me if I well first of all you you might not see it on the VAERS system, although maybe people are reporting. <laughs> Uh, uh, COVID-induced myocarditis as an adverse event from the vaccine because they can't distinguish the two. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but they, we don't see myocarditis being... Well, you would not see myocarditis being reported in Varus until the shots are being administered. Yeah. Okay, fine. I mean, that, that's logical and that was a stupid that's brain That's the part. thing, okay. right? And so it's not just that, though. It's the fact that it they, you know, they kind of peak at the same place just a little little bit after and then they trough, and then they peak again together, and then they trough. And this is one of the criteria that you should satisfy in the Bradford Hill criteria to provide evidence of causation. It's called reversibility. If you take away the drug, which is the blue, if, if the, the drug is likely causing the myocarditis, then the, or let's just say the, um, the symptom then the symptom will go away when the drug is removed. And that's exactly what we see here. 
it's striking. And the R value here, it's not shown, but it's it's uh, 0.8. I, I did calculate this, which is pretty high, which means- what, that Sorry, what, what does the R value mean? So it's it's uh, the, a measure of the correlation between these two curves. So so how well they track together, basically. So I, let me ask you a question here. The, 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 the blue number is tracking um, raw number of new injections, correct? That's why we just see fewer and fewer people getting new injections as we go along. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We know now that not many people are are taking these things at all anymore. So it's yeah. What so the last bump? You know what I was going to say. What explains the last bump without a correlative spike? But then I see a spike. Uh, can you see my cursor? Let me see. Something. Yeah, you can. Um, so you got a last blue bump right here, and that is in what month are we in there? October. That looks like October, November, December, and then we get in January 2020 a little spike right there. Um, it, it, would would that be what you would say was a, a you know a correlation? Um, maybe, but I, I wouldn't be too bothered about, I, I don't know what the bump is actually, um, in, well, I mean, I know what it is, but a bunch more people, I can't really see the dates. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it looks like, it looks like 10, 10, 1, 2022. So that's uh, October, yeah, November so October 1st, 2022. Yeah, so flu, it's flu season. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. Do, do you remember though, like, uh, when when the different versions of these shots were being doled out because maybe this represents boosters i don't know well I, I do i do remember they they went with the seasonal push for thanksgiving uh, for thanksgiving and, and the holidays wow. so that's that's the time and then you go back here and you look at this one it's 11 11 1 21 so right about the christmas time new year's yeah. right here yeah. and that's, that's what that's what it, really yeah i didn't even uh you're right that's a good observation yeah, and then the first the first one was right after just fucking jack it out into everybody's arms. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And, and no, because I remember, I remember like, I, you know, uh, Hokel coming out and, you know, coming with their messages. You want to meet with your friends at Thanksgiving and Christmas, get your shots now. And I'm like, you guys are already too late. When they were pushing it, it's like, it takes two weeks to, if it worked, it would take two weeks to work. You're already too late. Okay, so amazing and fascinating that this, it's, 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 a, it's almost like a direct myocarditis reports. And what should be shocking about this number, we're gonna get into the breakdown of the myocarditis, but this, this wild uh, correlation is gonna be disproportionately young, young boys yeah. or young men um, after the second dose. Yes. So keep going, let's, let's, let's scroll, find that. Here. Scroll down, here, let me move this out here. Yeah, I don't, I don't is... remember what uh, I did. That's, that's you, know how, just... you, know how, you know how neurotic I am? I hate seeing that open and viewer thing. I gotta toggle. Me too, okay. me too. Sorry, and I cut, there it is again, damn it. Okay, so I'm gonna go back here. What, what, chart, what, what chart are we looking at here? Number of adverse event reports in VERS. Oh, I'm sorry, right. so this is just, okay. So what are we so looking this, at here? This is the number of vaccines on the market proportionally uh, uh, related to the number of adverse event reports. So the reason I put this in is just to show people that between 1990 when VARES started to 2020, everything was copacetic. Yep. It's like linear, linear uh, trend upward, very, you know, not a, not a big slope. Uh, everything was proportional. Well, so I, was, I, was, I was just going to ask you, like, where's the spike? And then I realized that the, the cutoff date is 2020. So I, I suspect yes, the spike is coming. <laughs> the <laughs> no, hockey stick. I, 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 there's no point in showing that. So the, the point was I wanted people to know, like, that to, 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 um, to, to bounce off figure one, like, th this is what it used to look like in terms of the number of products on the market. And the reason why we have this steady increase is because of the increase in the number of products getting on the market. Mm -hmm. So... An increase of one more product or four more products, you know, for COVID should not cause any significant rise. It should fall on the 
the diagonal, you know? So yeah. I don't show that here, but uh, that's that's what would happen. Okay. No, I mean, it's logical. If, if the correlation of adverse events typically is one in 10,000, if you have five on the market, you'll have... It'll, it'll, it'll go up like that. Like, like what, I don't, I'm curious what the what that little dip is right there, but okay. Yeah, interesting. A glitch. Where do, where do I, I go now? Got pulled from the market that year. I bet you that's what it is. Ah, interesting. Um, yeah, we can skip that. That's just the classification of the stuff. So here we go. Um, so both of these charts are telling. So the one on the left is the um, the absolute counts, and the one on the right is per 100,000 doses. So the one on the right is normalized per dose. They, they tell the same story, though. So on, on the left, well, we can do the normalized data. Whatever. Uh, that's over here. All right, and let, yeah. me, just re let me read what this... Uh, uh, so figure three shows the distribution of myocarditis cases according to the CDC age grouping. In total, 30% of all myocarditis reports were made for children aged 0 to 20, and 50% of all myocarditis reports were made for young adults aged 0 to 30. I'd like to know a, a sub-breakdown, which we're going to get in a second. Absolute counts were normalized to vaccine administration data by age group, figure 3B. 12 to 17-year-olds have the highest myocarditis reporting rates. Okay, right. now, now we're going to so look here. The, I, I just want to add here that the original uh, data was even stronger than this because I, I think the reason why it, quote-unquote, looks better, even though it's still bad now, is because of data botching in VAERS. Um, but that's a whole other topic. So basically what we're looking at here is the, the, the greatest proportion of reports per dose being reported for 12 to 17-year-olds so within this age grouping, there are the 15-year-olds. So they're the ones who are hit the worst. And you can't see it here, but uh, the, the boys are doing the worst. I, I, I'm not even sure in the, if I have the boys chart here. Maybe I don't. What, um, if I may ask, the 3.1, uh, what, what number does that represent? It's so that's 3.1 cases per 100,000 doses. Okay. So the, the guys attacking us will say, well, who cares? It's only three people per 100,000. But it's like, um, that's not nothing. And when you're talking about something uh, that's considered a serious adverse event in a, in a young person who, who may actually um, succumb to very severe damage, it matters. Like, well, let, no let, let me... I, I'll, let me stop you there just because it's, if you say 3.1 per 100,000, that's roughly one per 33,000. So people are going to say, well, I've, I've heard the stat was myocarditis was one in 800, one in 5,000. Oh, now they're going to say it's one in 33,000, and that's at worst. No, but this doesn't take into account the underreporting factor. So any, any data that I ever present is a huge underestimate. That's just one of the flaws about VAERS. So, so at, at at best, at I best bet. for the for the for, I will, I'm going to call yeah. them the the data deniers. Yeah. It's at best, it's one in thirty three thousand for. Okay, at best, yeah. and we and to the extent that many people think the various reporting accounts for one percent of all adverse events, yeah. you can and then the the number for one in eight hundred was actually not pulled from VARES, It was pulled from trial clinical trial data, mm -hmm. and that's probably a little more accurate. Okay, fine. So just, just under, we'll understand the arguments. They're going to say, oh, look at that. Even by your own numbers, it's one in 33,000. That's nothing. Okay, that doesn't factor in underreporting. And the number of one in 800, one in 5,000 was not pulled from the various reports, but rather from the clinical data, although one study wasn't peer-reviewed, apparently. Okay, where should I go now? Uh, keep going down. Let's see. I, I don't remember. It was like years ago. 
Um, seriously, let's see what I did. Okay, There's so this reports of myocarditis by age and, and dose. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Okay. You get so, this yeah, you, you can see already, right? This is what I described. So all I did was I pulled out the, the number of VARES, the, the VARES reports of myocarditis by metric code myocarditis, um, and I plotted uh, those points against the people's ages, and I superimposed three doses because I wanted to see what was going on. In, in, the, in the initial paper, I only had dose one and dose two data, so I had the, you know, I, I had this picture back in like freaking May. My, 20- minus, minus the blue. Exactly. But I had this picture, this those two response. And it's like, man, what is going it's on? The, it's the fuck. I'm sorry. It's the freaking. Uh, what's the, the the building in America now uh, in New York? Jeez, the Empire State it's the Empire State Building of adverse events. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, it does look like it. Holy yeah. shit. So, so and that, that is to say, these are the reports. And in the reports, they say adverse event. Okay, which number dose are you on? They didn't, people didn't write it. They didn't file the VARES report on the first dose. They filed it on the second. They, they, they indicated it was the second. And this is the tracking by age. And we're, we're looking at whatever that is halfway, about 12 to 25. That peak bar is 15-year-olds. And if you break that down by gender, by sex. 80% boys. Boys. Sorry, uh, what percentage boys? 80 something percent, 80 odd. Okay. Wow. So quite clearly, physiologically, for whatever the reason, the second dose triggers more adverse event reports. Something more severe. So my line of thinking is like this, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you have other ideas. Um, Young boys... Like I, I, I kind of like was a young tomboy. So, you know, I played soccer and I, I was a competitive swimmer and I, all my friends were boys. So like if I, I tried to put myself into my, my 15 year old self and I got a, you know, I'm, I'm vaccinated out the yin yang, whatever there was, I got um, when I was a little older, not really when I was 15, but let's just say this COVID shit happened when I was 15 I probably would have gotten it, wouldn't have even thought about it. And then all of a sudden, if I started having horrible chest pains within like a few days of the shot, I I would never, never connect to them. I'm telling you this as a first person, I would never have connected them. And then of course it's time to get the next one because it's three weeks later. So I get the second one and then I pass out. And then my mom's there and she's like, what the hell? And it happens. In, in closer temporal proximity to the shot, because that's another trend that we see following those two, like the time frame from injection to, to onset is shorter, which is another Bradford Hill thing. So my thinking is that there's more reporting following the second dose because it is more severe. There's something cumulative going on, but also it's it becomes, it's so severe that it's not deniable. So the moms get involved and they take their kids to the doctor. So that's kind of how I was visualizing it. Like, I don't know, maybe there's another reason. Well, but I, I would have, I would have, I mean, for whatever it's worth, just, you know, critical thought, I would have thought it would be a cumulative impact. And, yeah, it and, and, and any, any, myo, any sort of uh, symptomatic chest pain might be totally, uh, virtually unnoticeable or... Yeah. And, and then the cumulative impact right. of having, having the, whatever the spike proteins are recirculate and, and re-trigger an immunological response, and then you get a more severe reaction. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's the it's the, sec the sucker punch that knocks you out. It's a uh, it's another massive dose of lipid nanoparticles carrying foreign genetic material, and then more transfection, more downstream. You know, so and you're already probably immunologically inflamed from the first experience. Now, th so th like thinking out loud, though, uh, do you know the number of second doses administered compared to first doses? Does that number go down? Because that would make this graph even more shocking. Yes, it does. Dramatically, actually. There's far more first dosers than second. I can't That's remember exactly, but I, it might even be like, I, I think it's probably like, Oh gosh, I don't want to guess because I don't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's also just logical. Necessarily, second yeah. doses will be fewer than the first. The only question is in what proportion. If it's statistically significant, the fact that you would then have this yeah. clear, right. clear trend of a statistically uh, lesser amount of second doses that makes it even more shocking. And then you see the blue. I mean, I don't know who's getting third doses anyhow. You know, holy crap. Okay. All right. The number is, hold on, adverse events. I mean, I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to just trying to find a way to uh, play. I know, I know. It's and hard, right? It. How can, how can you debunk this? <laughs> so the number, the number here we're at adverse events is what, what is the, is it thousands on the left or is it? No, this know? is total number. So this is bare bones, domestic data, not foreign data, only myocarditis. And it's, it's like, I, I, I narrowed the query to be very, very strict, which makes the number look very low. And there's well, no that's gonna, this is eight. This is 80 reports. 80. Yes. Okay. And so people so again, are going to say the total number of reports here. Let's just say following those two reported to VAERS for myocarditis in 15 year old boys. That's not that's not enough to worry about. But that's not the point. The pattern is the point. There's two important things about this graph, and it has nothing to do with the absolute counts. It has to do with the dosing phenomenon and the age. And those yeah, two things, they, they signify something going on immunologically or physiologically in, those, in that age group and following dose two, which also satisfies Bradford Hill criteria for specificity and temporality. Yeah, the, but the argument is going to be, let's just say uh, of, the, of the 12 years from 12 to 24, let's just say at most there's going to be a thousand cases. Well, we've, we've administered it to uh, 70, no. let's just, yeah, 50 million kids. So fine, it's, it's showing a statistically significant um, trend on a statistically insignificant blip. Move on. What are you complaining about? That's 80 yeah, cases. I would we, say, we... Yeah, I would say my kid's not a blip, asshole. Like, not to you, but that's what I would say to someone who's making that argument. The thing about these data is that they're they're not they're not only people they're they're little kids. <laughs> well, I mean, just revert revert to the under the statistical underreporting, the necessary underreporting, and this number could be as high as eight hundred. It could be as high yeah. as eight thousand, and that's of one of one demographic for something which would never have put them in the hospital in the first place. Or, or, the, thing, or... The, the, the thing that you're saying right now is fact. This, this, that's why I'm saying the absolute count doesn't matter here, really, because this is only, it's like the, the, the magnitude could be anything, but the pattern is going to remain the same. Yeah. And, and so, like, you're absolutely right. I mean, the underreporting factor could be a, a hundred. Uh, it could be this, this, this actually, if you added 
for example, pericarditis and myopericarditis or versions of myocarditis, this could spike into the well, 10,000s. And, and that's that it could spike into the 10,000s at the underreported level. I mean, so the, yeah. this is why hypothetically, it could be a hundred times and not even hypothetically, but like logically and predictably a hundred yep. times more. So you would have, what is 80 times a hundred? It's 8,000. You would have 8,000 cases of myocarditis alone for 15 year old boys. And we need, I, I, I need to get someone to pull out the numbers as to the prognosis for myocarditis diagnosis in terms of lifespan, but okay. So, but, but one thing is for certain, as you uh, astutely point out, the relevant thing is here, the medical scientific biological correlation uh, trend following between the second dose and myocarditis. Yep. And okay. so like, you know, if there were another, I, I don't usually, um, uh, I think it's called the, the, the steel man. Uh, myself, but like if if I was gonna, it, let's just say I was working for them, okay? And I had to come up with ways to, like if, if I was like one of the people trying to justify this data and make people not worry about it, I would say, well, maybe what we can do to satisfy people's worries or concerns is just not give the 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 children, male 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 children, let's say, a second dose. You know what I mean? It's like there's always there's there's something they could have said that at least would have acknowledged this data. But that's the point. This data until this this paper got published has not been acknowledged. It's oh. actually been suppressed. Jess, um, have you done this correlation? I mean, I don't know what other vaccines are administered in in, in doses. Um, I don't think the flu shot is you don't take two doses of that even, even during any flu season. Have you tried to correlate uh, other vaccines that are administered to children or the same age bracket in doses to see what the correlation would be? Um, are you are you asking me if I've looked at other vaccine products? Yeah. Other, other, other vaccine products that are administered in doses where you could compare just to show uh, hypothetical. I mean, I don't even know what other vaccines are administered in doses. Uh, smallpox? Um, I'm trying to think I of think them. No, but uh, maybe hepatitis? So if you, um, if, if you do a, a comparison between any other vaccine, I, I, I'm not even still calling this one a vaccine, but, but any other vaccine to see what yeah. the... I, I don't think it, you're going to see it. I haven't, but it's a good idea. I don't think you're going to see it because the, the conventional vaccines aren't operating as the same. As the, the mRNA. Like, most of these reports are coming from the modified uh, mRNA products, right? Because most of the people in the States got the Pfizer or the Moderna. Like there are Novavax and Janssen products out there. Yeah, well, they, they, pull, they, they pulled the Johnson & Johnson in Canada, I think, after the 46-year-old woman died yeah. of blood clots. So, yeah, they pulled. there's no data on that because they pulled it. <laughs> yeah, so like, exactly. And so the mechanism of action here is obviously the problem, as you saw in the other figures. So I, I'm not sure that you're going to get... Um, no, you, you won't. You will not get the same correlation predictably, yeah. but it might still be useful to show. Yeah, something is. Uniquely all, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, lack of uh, evidence is also evidence. So th the thing that I did check, though, was this phenomenon, this pattern for any other adverse event. And guess how many I found that had the same pattern? Uh, none. Uh, more, none. None. So, I mean, I didn't check all 14,000, but I did check the biggies. And I didn't see this. So it's like, it's kind of a phenomenon that's um, unique to myocarditis, which, which is kind of fascinating when you think about it. I mean, 
there's, I, I imagine it has something to do with androgens, like the, the male hormones that are linked to like puberty and stuff. But, and I'm sure there are people doing work on this, but this is another thing. It's oh, like, we'll, if get this the, is, we'll get the well, data. We'll get the, we'll get those answers in 75 years. So. Do I, uh, should I go back? Is there, well, there are more, there are more graphs in here. Should we go yeah, back? Just, to the... Let me see what else is there. I, I should probably know. That. <laughs> Um, okay, it's so what been we got here? Three years, anyway. Yeah. No, but so, I, well, it's, it's been three years, buddy. You got three years more data. Oh, Various yeah. reports of cardiac adverse yeah. events as of okay. So this is just cardiac uh, as as a cluster. So I, I I put this in because I wanted to show people that it, you know myocarditis is like one adverse event in the cluster of cardiac related adverse events. There's like thousands of them. So um, this gives you a better idea of. The absolute number, this on the left, is the absolute counts per age group of people. Mm -hmm. that's, reporting. A, that's a lot. That's a lot of numbers. It is, and this is not underreporting, and this is not definitive. I mean, or comprehensive. Like, it's comprehensive, but it's not. Um, there's no way I could have included all of the measure codes for cardiac-related events. So I just picked, like, the big ones, you all know. Right. Like, and this is this is as of the first date of administration of the of, of the yeah, of the jab yeah okay. from the beginning and this is normalized on the right so you can see that most of the people who are reporting cardiac stuff are uh the, the older people it starts around 25 which isn't old but like you know what i mean like um but again this is as of august 11th so who knows what's happened since then maybe more kids because they've been giving it out to more kids have reported. I guarantee you that that's true. And now I'm trying to think of the steel man to to counter this would be the argument of um, have you checked overall incidence of cardiac issues to see if it correl if it's on the increase or if there's an if there's um, a market increase in cardiac incidents not various related but aggregate. I don't even know how you'd find that data post COVID jab. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. I. I imagine that, uh, you know, another, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, we, we've, we've heard reports about it. And then, and then people say, well, excess death is not up, excess uh, heart condition. I mean, that would be, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure Ed Dowd would actually have that data or um, uh, Baudouin, John Baudouin, who yeah. you know, you'd have to get the hospital I'm records sorry. to see. Okay, mm -hmm. that would be interesting to correlate. Uh, now I go down a lot of talkie talkie and uh, that's it. Conclusion. Let's yeah, don't read. <laughs> why not i why just don't read the last sentence um yeah it 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 kind of refers to like uh it was a sentence that was thrown in to get it published and uh it kind of refers to like keeping oh good. stop it you and we found a very strong safety signal for covid19 vaccine induced myocarditis particularly in children and young adults that result in hospitalization or death did we miss the death um the death graph and I don't mean to, that sounds very sinister. Where where was the chart? Graphic? I don't think there is a death graph, if if memory recalls, because it's three percent, and it's like it's not really a graph that's going to be like, <gasps> you know. So yeah. I, I you can have a limited number of figures in your um in your publication, and you kind of want it to be like you know the ones that are irrefutable. So you know it it would probably be another way for them to say yo so what, but it's. Well, like, I'm going to ask uh, Baudouin and Dowd and or Dowd for the um, like I the overall cardiac related by age overall group. cardiac related and also 
Holy crap, how am I going to ask him if I just forgot what I was going to ask him? Oh, the uh, lifespan, <laughs> lifespan pro someone in the chat, take a note of this because I'm going to forget. The lifespan prognosis once you're diagnosed <laughs> with myocarditis. That, that's the, that is the most important thing where we've been told it's mild. Cardiologists will tell you it's probably like on average 10 years, but it's really hard to ascertain. But here's the thing. This is just common sense. The younger you are, and especially if you're prepubescent when you're still developing, uh, if you sustain heart damage, like in, with regard to fibro fibrotic scarring, it, it, it's not hard to guess that it's going to reduce your lifespan. Like maybe we don't know exactly by how much, but. Um, okay, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to share a screen one more time so I can get to the chats because I see some chats in Rumble. Jesse, uh, this about covers it for the study, correct? What? That that covers the study that just got published, yeah, 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 yeah. approved, there it's out there, undeniable. I'm going to share this because there's a few chats we got, but Finboy Slick in the bottom says, just a little something to echo the chat and say that Jessica is one of our favorite guests. Ginger Ninja, who I just had on yesterday, he's a member of our locals community, uh, says, re-East Palestine, I don't know about the other alphabet agencies, but FEMA is absolute trash. Trump sent FEMA to Tennessee when we were hit with the tornado. That tornado, I don't know of one person that got any aid relief. FEMA wow. lost, lost, this is, this goes back to what we were talking about in uh, Hawaii, Lahaina. Yeah. Lo lost your home, but had bad insurance denied. Lost your home, but didn't have insurance. Should have <laughs> had insurance denied. Lost your husband, child, hope he had life insurance denied. And the, the Ginger Ninja survived the, uh, the Tennessee her uh, tornado of uh, March 3, 2020, which I didn't know until we had our discussion last night and had no idea of the severity of that, of that uh, disaster. And we got Mighty Megatron says, this COVID scare scam was a test in compliance. A Milgram yeah. experiment, some might even say. And then we got William VK says, are there any recommendations on solutions for people that did get the vaccine? Any remedies known to help myocarditis is probably the, the, the specific question. But there are, there, I, I don't want to judge the detox things out there. I've heard people make a number of recommendations. People who care about me that think that, you know, because I got, the, I got two shots that I'm going to, you know, die. Um, I, I, uh, people were Which recommending some stuff. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I, look, I, I was, I'm neurotic. I remember, I don't take naps, period. I remember it was either the first or second shot. I had to take a 20 minute nap. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a little odd. Never had chest pains. And I looked at the, um, bad batch reporting for my batch and it was virtually nil. And, you know, this was back in the day when we might've been getting inert, whatever the hell that inert stuff. Um, but are you, uh, do you have any personal opinion on any of the traditional detox stuff that people recommend for, for vaccine injury or vaccine, the jab stuff? No, not, not other people's, but I, and I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't give advice. But what I can tell you is that um, it's, it's the advice I gave you for your sinus. Um, turmeric is like one of the most potent anti-inflammatories you, like you can ingest. And it's, uh, tastes like feet sometimes, but if you combine it with coconut milk and boiling water and honey, it tastes quite nice. It's actually called golden milk. And uh, I, I would just recommend anybody for anything drinking a glass of that a day because it's not going to hurt you. But it's a magic thing when it comes to uh, bacterial infections, inflammation, even viral, you know, keeping viruses at bay. Um, balancing out your immune responses. It probably helps your Treg somehow because that's all built into uh, inflammation. I'm, 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 I don't know. Maybe it even helps autoimmunity. I, I, I don't know, but... Uh, what, it, I, it, you, can't, you can't OD on turmeric? 
No, of course not. I, I, I was having a lot of it when you told me to, but by that time I was already also on antibiotics. So that probably helped the sinus infection. Yeah, you, sometimes you got to do the antibiotics, but uh, if you if you can, well, on the subject of sinus infections, which I have a lot of experience in the past, uh, if you know the signs or like I'm a surfer and I surf in dirty water sometimes. So it's like I'm, you know, it, it can become a cesspool in here real quick if you don't, uh, if you're not uh, preemptive or prophylactic. So that's why I drink the turmeric milk. A surfer suggested it to me. And ever since he did, I have not had one single problem. And it's been a long time. Knock on wood. One of the things that I've, I had never done in my entire life was a sinus cleanse. I had never done it before. <laughs> Sounds and, well, you, 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 you warm up some water, you mix in the, the saline. No, you just go like this. You go, you go, and then it, and then it literally just pours out the other sinus. I'd never done it before. It doesn't doesn't feel good. It goes down your throat. And but um, that was probably the most useful thing. Is like just flushing out mm. all that disgusting crap. Jess, do you have time for a brief uh, supporters exclusive on locals only Q and A? Yeah. Uh, everybody who's watching now on Rumble, I'm going to give you the link again. But where can everybody find you? And thank you. That was uh, that was a question and an affirmation. Where can people find you? And thank you for everything you're doing. You're welcome. I, I have a website, Jessica's Universe, that I just updated payment for, so it's back online. <laughs> Someone tried to steal my domain name. Oh, um, you're your target. You, you better keep up with that. Otherwise, they're going to do it and redirect it to Jessica Rose. Uh, uh, well, but that's, that's what they did. But I think it's remedied now. Um, it was quite scary there. Sketcharama, man. These people mm. are nuts. They're really nuts. They need to get a life. Um, <laughs> and my substacks, of course, um, uh, Jessica5b3 substack.com is more like current events and presentations and jessicar.substack.com is more about um, like write-ups of uh, papers like this new one that was talking about frame shifting and stuff. So, um, and I have a Twitter, which, you know, I, I allegedly I have 90 something thousand followers, but um, when I post something, only three people see. <laughs> I, you know, so I you're, you're, you're on a list and I'm noticing it. I'm noticing some severe fuckery on YouTube right now. Like I put out a video and I'm on the list. I, you have to be, I, I got put on a list. Uh, what is it called? Center for countering digital hate. And, um, I've noticed, like I put out a video. It, it, digital YouTube, hate? Dude, uh, we'll talk about that when we get over to locals. Um, but, uh, I, I, YouTube is not even recommending my own videos to my, my own followers. So I'm going to, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. And I don't, I don't that's just it, the, it, the tide will, um, write itself the ships whatever you know what i mean okay uh jess i'm going to end this on rumble come on over to vivabarnslaw.locals.com the link is there. i'm going to turn it to supporters only we're going to do a a q a and i'm going to ask you uh about hemorrhoids i'm going to ask you about my hemorrhoids when we get, <laughs> we get over to i'm joking i'm not going to i've i can help <sighs> you with that too oh well you know maybe maybe i will <laughs> okay we're ending it on we're ending it on rumble jess thank you very much everybody you, you've gone through it now people and you can see how people are going to steal me. You know what the arguments against it are going to be. You can have the proper responses and you can assess it accordingly. And when they say, oh, that's just, uh, that's just only 80 kids, uh, 80 15-year-olds. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's assuming that the reporting is all the number and it probably represents 1% if, if history is any, if past is prologue. And besides the fact that it, it still boils down to the fact that we should be allowed to decide for ourselves what we inject into our bodies. So. Well, and have the discussion publicly. And also, um, there was the other thing I was going to say. 
Whatever, and also not being demonized for not subjecting our kids to the risk of that uh, in, in, as a solution to something that was of not meaningful risk to them. And in, it doesn't prevent the transmission of it anyhow, but then you deal with the arguments that, well, if you get, my, if you get COVID after, you're less likely to get my, all of these uh, creative arguments. Okay, ending it on Rumble, people. Thank you very much and stay tuned. I'm going to be with Owen Schroyer on InfoWars at 5 o'clock today, and I'll put out a car blog. So ending on Rumble, coming over to Locals. Three, two, one. Uh, Jess, I'm never doing the rubber band ligation procedure again, ever. Do you, do you know what rubber band ligation is? No. Oh, hold on. Uh, locals. Oh, is that for your wings? <laughs> yes, it is. It's, we're gonna be, oh, we're gonna be, I do know what it is. Oh, so first of all, I thought it was rubber band litigation. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that sounds ironic. <laughs> locals, I'm going to do one thing here. Hold on. How do I bring this up? No, I'm, I, there's a locals chat, which I'm going to get to. And then I'm going to switch so it to support awesome, zone. Dude. Like I, I, I needed someone in my life to talk like <laughs> openly and frankly about hemorrhoids with because I do that's that. what people I, I was, no, but I was walking around like an idiot talking about rubber band litigation. I was like, oh, what, isn't that funny? The litigator has a litigate. Um, there was only, there was one tip and it says Viva. Let me see this here. Let me go to tipped. It says Viva. This doesn't include minor injuries that don't show up for 10 years. You now 20 year old has a physical. Oh, your now 20 year old has a physical and they find a slight heart defect, but it doesn't affect daily life. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. That's from S underscore Ren. Uh, locals, what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch this to supporters only. How do I do it? There's a way to do it. Oh, yeah, here. And uh, then we're going to get some Q&A from, uh, from the chat, and we're going, to talk, uh, we're going to talk about it. I'm enabling it now, so if you want to come over, i got to be, uh, offer some perks to supporters only. Doing it now, and you have one minute, I think, to... Yeah, no, Jess. Okay. Rubber band ligation. And I'm explaining it to someone. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's what farmers do with the testicles of, of, of ram on the farm. You know, like you, rub, you, you strap a rubber band around it, and eventually circulation stops, and they fall off. And this, this doctor said to me, it's a, uh, maybe people don't want to know this. He said, it's a, it's a, it's a day procedure in and out, uh, pun intended. It was the most painful procedure. It was like the doctor was, I don't know how big his fingers were or whatever. It was the most painful two minutes of my life. And the, the, the two week healing process, I, I'm thoroughly convinced caused so much distress. I, it created more of what it was supposed to resolve than it resolved. And it was all, it was the worst experience of my life. And I've had a testicular torsion. So me and things twisting, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, Jess, wow. I'm going to go to the chat. No, no, it was just, and I, and I, 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 the only reason I'm reluctant to talk about it is because I don't want to deter people from going in to get the procedure if they need it. But holy crab apples. Lily America says, now we want to know. To deal with them too. So it's actually good that you're saying this because maybe if people have an alternative option to the rubber band, procedure they'll they can take it it's it was so the rubber band they go in i mean i presume they put it's so disgusting uh, i my, i look crazy and everything. look people you have to talk it's not it's i'm not embarrassed about this so i i, I don't think anybody well, no, else it's a medical thing it's 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 fine the, the guy initially to check it just uses his finger but like i've had my prostate examined before nothing hurt the way this doctor did it so i don't know what I mean, it's like it was like he was angry yeah, with me or something him, yeah <laughs> But yeah. then the procedure itself, no anesthetics, no nothing. They put something in to open it so they can access them. No, it was the most, no, no, like nothing. Well, I don't think topical would have done anything. This was like this was core pain. Like this was it was um it was incapacitating pain. So I, topical wouldn't have done anything. I would have needed like 
some hard narcotic to really dull me, but even that wouldn't have done anything. They go in, and then, they, and then you can feel them wrapping rubber bands around it. And he says, they'll fall out in five to seven days. Going to the bathroom, and just a pee-pee. It was, like, it was like something was always triggering that feeling that you had to do a, a number two. And so even to pee, I had to sit down because, th- you know, things would happen. And I, I was sobbing, sweating, and sh- I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a baby. I have a good pain threshold. And it was, it was excruciating pain every day, every, and I pee a lot for two weeks and it was I, it was it was it was traumatizing in the sense that i'm never I'm, i don't want anyone touching that part of me anymore but i so um how are they you, okay now like did it work at least after all your stuff no it didn't i mean I, they, they you know some of them some of them came back and they don't uh, look this is really gross but i was anemic at one point where i go to give blood and uh, they say we can't your your iron levels are low i was like how the hell could my iron levels be low oh, wow. and it was low because i was bleeding from there so oh, okay. You know, then I went to give blood over the weekend and uh, my iron levels were back to back to above so good that they took the plasma donation or something. Um, never done it before, but they took red, red blood cells for the donation and then returned plasma into my body, which I did, which immediately caused me to feel very uncomfortable to see oh, something, wow. go, to see something go back in. When, oh, I see. Yeah. When, I, I only wanted stuff to come out. They, they weren't supposed to put anything back in my body. Um, <laughs> so what else? I mean, I'll go to the chat and see if there's any specific questions for you. Uh, and there, there, there will be. Viva, did you wipe for the two weeks? Says Esran. Uh, it, it, uh, I, I, it was. You don't want to know. It was just. It was just terrible. I was. It was like. It was. Terrible. Can I recommend something for that might help you if you're still suffering? Um, don't use toilet paper. Use a bidet. Um, well, like a, that's a even better. Actually, yeah, that's even better. But if if you want like a cooling effect. Uh, there's this thing that you used to be able to get back in our day called tux, I think, but you can use wet wipes that are, um, not (laughs) so like baby wipes, but like it, it, it will help. Like at one point I was using, it's so gross. And they would be, be, I I don't care. I'll be the spokesperson for everybody has hemorrhoids, dude. It's like, people are probably like, I'm so glad they're talking about this because I never. Well, I I was using the uh, preparation H wipes for the longest time. They were, but they were a dollar a oh. wipe for for someone with IBS. I'm like, I'm I'm wasting three dollar. Yes, it literally they're like twenty. It was it was exceedingly expensive, and there's there's like twenty wipes per bag. Um, and then I tried the you know I tried the preparation H. Not, nothing does anything now. It's not it's not. There's no bleeding. There's no discomfort. I'm just going to leave it alone for as long as I humanly can and wait for science to wait for science to to solve the problem for me. Assholes. <laughs> Someone says, don't flush the wipes. Uh, pro tip, Lysol yes. makes great wet wipes. <laughs> yeah, well, by the way, the, 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 that's the joke I made. Those Preparation H or the hemorrhoid wipes looked exactly like Lysol wipes. Like you could have done some damage. Um, does Jessica have knowledge of real studies comparing myocarditis with vaxxed? Uh, with vaxxed with COVID versus unvaxxed with COVID? Uh, so that's, okay, let me see this here. Do you have any Are, real studies comparing myocarditis with vaxxed with COVID versus unvaxxed with COVID? Is there any study to show that um, myocardial, myocarditis infections in those who have been vaccinated is less severe than who get COVID than those who were un, unvaccinated and get COVID? Not that I'm aware of, but uh, it's it's a good question. And I'm sure if you do a liter, like there, there's so many papers now on myocarditis post-injection. Um, what's lacking are comparative studies, though. So uh, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Um, like, I, I wish I could point to something right now. Maybe, 
maybe you've prompted me to look into this. But. I, I, that's that's the the most that's what I would love to know. I mean, those are those are important stats. Uh, and yep. uh, with people who are in, interested in sincere dialogue, those other people, I, I don't when you don't trust the people, you don't trust how they're spinning crap. So even those who purport to have the studies. But I the thing is, like, it, you know, I can tell you a sensible answer beyond, you know, what's in the literature now. Um, the, depending on how many shots you get, like, uh, the, it, and it really depends what you get and who you are, um, your your state at the time, your age, clearly, um, for myocarditis. Um, but, like, there seems to be a, a, a definitive immunological component Um mm. And so one of the, the things that uh, is in the literature is that there, there appears to be a shift to, um, to tolerance uh, in terms of the, the antigens that are related to the spike protein, which means basically instead of your immune system mounting a powerful response against these antigens, they're kind of going meh, and they don't see them as a threat. So um so in terms of getting COVID post-shot, um, it's an interesting thing to think about because it, it, if it's true that you can get myocarditis from SARS and that you can get myocarditis from the shots, the common thread is the spike protein. But if you, let's just, I mean, we can, we can do a thought experiment here. Let's say um, you get your first shot of uh, Pfizer stuff. And let's say that you, you do get some kind of inflammation in your myocardium, but not, not to the point where you have like grabbing chest pain. And let's say you get exposed to SARS. Um, what's supposed to happen is your secondary immune response is supposed to kick in so that you, you don't get sick. Um, you just, you know, you clear the path into the virus right away. Uh, and you don't really, um, you don't really sustain any damage. Um, the key to like uh, her, uh, keeping vi uh, viruses at bay and not succumbing symptom-wise is to keep the viral load down. So if your immune response is very fast in terms of like a secondary response, your viral that viral load is not going to be able to go up very very quickly. So um, basically, what I'm trying to say is there's going to be um, probably a lesser chance if your immune system is functioning properly. Um, I'm not saying this right at all because I'm thinking about it as I'm doing it. You're going to have less of a chance of succumbing to myocarditis in the context of COVID, in my opinion, if your immune system is intact. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying... And, and, you know, when I, would, I had Drew, I was on Drew, Drew came on and he says, you can get myocarditis from any viral infection. Yeah. And it's all, and it's always the so the real question is going to be, what you, you've taken a shot now, and I think the stat you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong on this. It's de definitively correlated that the more shots you get, the more likely you are to get COVID. The only argument yeah. was flipped that your symptoms are going to be less severe, which isn't true. I mean, that's kind of what this paper shows in the in the realm of myocarditis. There's like most of the reports involved hospitalization, so it's like <laughs> it's um. Yeah, exactly. What was I going to say? You just reminded me of something. Uh, what, it'll come back in a second, but while I do that, uh, I'll just read a couple. Finboy Slick said, glad to hear the sinus rinse work for you. It was very cool. New experience for me. Then we got um, Parter says, anything with your bum hurts. 
Uh, Lily America says, now we want to know. Okay, I'm, and I, I saw another comment from Lily in America. Uh, at, uh, this is from one of the people replying to Critical Thought. Critical Thought says, my understanding is that after they sent them back home until they turned blue without treatment, they then came back to hospital, suffered from hypoxia, and killed them with ventilators, remdesivir, etc. Those could stay at home, use remedies for severe flu, colds, had a much better outcomes. And... Um, and then the response was also the CDC stopped for the first time ever tracking flu in 2020. Then it was claimed flu disappeared due to extra hand washing, lockdowns and masks, even though masks. Well, it, they say it worked for the flu, but it didn't work for COVID. It's, it's amazing. Uh, Ginger Ninja says the rumble stream cut off for me at 127.50. That sounds about the right time when I killed it or when I ended it. And, um, and then, uh, hold on. Does Jessica have knowledge of it? Okay, we got that. Critical thought. Did I get a bidet? No, not yet. But they have these things you can install on your toilet, which actually... Uh, which actually work. And, oh, I lost it. I lost it. Oh, hold on. What was it? Oh, well, it was, I think it was, Lily of America says anything to do to, 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 I think we're back to the hemorrhoids, to relieve it. They say the wipes work, preparation H, change a little bit of change of diet, uh, a lot of fiber, genuine, you know, keep your soft. That's not spicy food. That's not good that, for wipes. That's the thing. It's like spicy food's not good for IBS, hemorrhoids or anything, but it's, it's, it's why eat food if it's not spicy? <laughs> I, 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 can't, I, I put I put it on everything, and I know like it's it's and I got spicy, spicy like you know hundred thousand, two hundred thousand Scoville units. But you um, can lower your uh, your your toler. You can get your tolerance level like back down to something that's not going to burn your asshole. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the, the amount that I put on, and like Mary's like, why do you do this? Like it's you. Uh, anyhow, I've got I've got I've got issues. Uh, critical thoughts says, please ask Jessica if she would consider a study relating vitamin D level. And these jab issues, could you correlate? Well, you'd have to have stats on. No, you wouldn't. I mean, would you be able to get vitamin D levels of people who submit various reports? You wouldn't be able to get that. Mm -hmm. Just let me have a look. That's interesting. So please ask Jess if consider a study relating vitamin D levels and these jab issues with a little please. Uh, S. Ren says black pill. We have a national security issues during the next generation. Most military doesn't allow heart conditions, and the next generation might have a lot of that. Who will fly the jets and drive the tanks? I know that's right. No, there's no question. And, you know, considering that the, I think now it's been definitively confirmed that the, the Rona escaped from China. This is, fu- it's fucking, gener- it's, it's, it's warfare. It's not, um, oi, okay, let's go down to the bottom here. It's not working. I've done all of it. Um, they have some like topical analgesics, but um, yeah. JP Morales says you should look at a carnivore diet to eliminate IBS. I've been telling this to my wife. I eat a lot of meat, but I also eat a lot of other crap. I eat a lot of vegetables, which they say you're not supposed to do if for certain types of IBS. I eat a lot of a lot of arugula, but it's it's coffee, it's alcohol, it's um, I, I don't Coffee's I don't. Oh, say it again. Coffee's not good for hoids. Yeah. Or, or IBS and caffeine's not good for it. I know that but at some point also, like, you, you have to have certain pleasures. I mean, I got a brother, this is, I, he, he wouldn't mind, who eats basically the same meal every day at the same time and the same amount. So it's, it's he's, you know, chicken and rice. I mean, almost literally. What the hell's the point of living if that's what, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying, I'm joking. <laughs> but I mean, I could, I could live off all meat, uh, but I like avocados. Those are, those are decent. I like, I like some stuff that just is not good for the, you know, the stomach, but whatever. Uh, let's avocados go. aren't good for your stomach. Say it again. Avocados aren't good. For no, your avocado. St- avocado is one of the good ones. But there's, you know, they say like two. Well, I also, I also binge eat, so I eat an entire container of arugula, and some of it comes out undigested. It's, it's actually, it's fascinating from a scientific perspective. Um, 
Let me just go see what's going on. I'm sweating. I think, I, I think I've gone too far this time. Get the fiber out of your diet, it says, diet, says X-Medic. That's, that's okay. Lily America says, I'm going to have to put to sleep if they remove it. My pain tolerance is nil. Yeah, and then, you're, then, you're, then you take all the risks with um, general anesthetics. When I was a kid, I used to think they're fun, and then you realize how. Sorry, can, can I, I, I did a query. So I'm really surprised by this. Um, so I just looked up, I, I always start big, right, when I do a query. So what I did just now, uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, don't worry, uh, please. Who, who asked about vitamin D. So I, I have a master file of VAERS data, which includes uh, the domestic data and the foreign data. So the foreign data reports are like filed by the pharmaceutical companies for U.S. citizens outside of the states. And it, it, it's a lot of data. It's, it makes the, the file like twice as big almost. So um, of that larger data set, so not just the U.S. citizens inside the U.S., I, I looked for vitamin to start with instead of vitamin D. And I, I'm seeing 3,050 uh, reports of vitamin D deficiency. Um, so they are, that's in the symptom column. So if I go one level D or, and I look at the, um, the lab results, because if they're, they must be checking, you know, vitamin D levels somehow, then I could actually tell you very quickly, like, um, what, it. what why, it. why would they be reporting vitamin D level in a, in a VAERS report? Oh, did I just well, I can tell you what I'm looking at right now is that it's um, it's concurrent to headache, migraine, oversensing, uh, binocular eye movement disorder, uh, all sorts of stuff, um, stuff I never heard of. <laughs> um, <clears throat> lots of blood stuff. Um, huh. Wow, lots of stuff here, man. I, I wouldn't have thought to do that because I didn't think they were measuring it. There's also vitamin D alopecia, <clears throat> vitamin, vitamin D decreased. <clears throat> I, wish, I wish I could toggle, like, what pisses me off, I can't figure out how to use Varus whatsoever, so I have to go to, uh, what is it, the website is Open Varus to get, like, <clears throat> you know, 30,000, just overview uh, details. It's, it's in, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm impatient and, and short attention span. It's impossible to use. Uh, and I would love to know these things. So, like, what I do is I download the data raw from the VAERS website, and uh, they're CSV files, and then I load them into R, which is a uh, statistical programming language. And then I, it's so easy to use now, or it's not that easy to use, but it's so magnificent in its use. You can merge the files it, with just doing this. Like, I literally just did this, and then I can find out, like, an infinite number of things about what's going on with like the press of a button because it's very powerful. Um, so if you're interested, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure you have time to learn R, but- uh, Dude, you, you, you lost me at download. Like, I, I think I know what CSV is. <laughs> I, I think I only know what CSV is because my <laughs> comma separated value, right, CSV? Mm -hmm. I only know that because I sent something to my accountant. He said, I can't take, well, I think he said in CSV or not. I forget which, but oh no, I have zero patience for that. Like I, it, it actually makes me anxious or angry just listening to you talk, download it, convert it. You get a, a massive 10,000, uh, how, 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 I mean, how many pages are those files when you get them in CSV? Um, you're, de you're dealing with, you're you know with what? I, I don't even know because 
like if, if you're using Excel, for example, like I have a pretty powerful, I have a very powerful computer and you can't analyze VARES data using Excel because there's too many fields. Like it's, it's too much data for, for Excel to handle. So it's, I mean, it depends what you're counting too. If you're counting the number of VARES IDs, um, you, you can have like multiple IDs because people can report like up to 15 symptoms and there's only five symptom columns. So you can have, you have millions, millions and millions and millions of rows. This is crazy. It says CSV doesn't use, uh, don't use pages. And P, uh, this is crazy is impressed that you use R. I have no idea what R is. And Critical Thought says vitamin D is the most important component needed for immune health, sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm gonna go outside and get some of that afterwards, but um, uh, let's see here. Why is coffee not good for hemorrhoids, says Lily America. I, I think it's, it's a diuretic and it makes you go to the bathroom more often, if, if I have to guess. Yeah, and the, and the acidity too. I mean, it, it kind of, uh, it promotes like um, inflammation, I guess. So anything that's already kind of inflamed, I, I wouldn't, Coffee is kind of like gasoline on the inflammation fire in a way. So, but it depends on the individual, right? Like I, well, I've. Yeah. No, and Lily says it helps to it helps people be more consistent for sure. Cause it's a diuretic, but then, you know, there's, there's two types of hemorrhoids. You get some from constipation and then you get some from diarrhea. So um, from pushing too hard also, they say, don't sit on cold ice and don't push too hard and don't take your phone into the bathroom. Actually, I mean, that might be the number one piece of advice for everybody, but um. This is yeah. so interesting. So oh. in the lab data, so I looked at another column. That's This is the great thing about VARES because there's so many variables um, and it's confusing as hell, but they have a column called lab data. And for, so for some people, they are doing labs. Um, they, they have labs associated with, with the person going to the hospital or to the emergency room. Um, and so, you know, we have to figure out what's going on. So they run labs. And so... 643 reports are associated with um, varying levels of vitamin D. Um, so this is really important. I mean, I, I, the lab data columns are really hard one. It's worse than the symptom text file because it's it's like it's it's like doctor's notes. It makes no sense most of the time. So you'd have to like decipher it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, things like low vitamin D, vitamin D deficiency. So so this is the common. Um, thread here, which is really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to do something with this. All right. Um, I don't know what yet. This is crazy says witch hazel is a topical analgesic. It's used by women who just had a baby to help them heal down there. Nice. Neuro neurodivergent says, isn't it which cells produce the spike protein vax versus natural infection will heart muscle produce spike with natural infection. Uh, this is something I remember asking and I think it was Malhotra. Produce? No. Well, oh, Say that again. No, nothing. Never mind. Well, he says, will, will the heart muscle will the heart muscle or will will you get more spike with uh, the vax versus the natural infection? I think what Malhotra explained in it, it's Malhotra or maybe Dr. Francis Christian, where he says, when you get an infection, you have a whole you have a whole when you get sick and you get an infection, you get a whole body immunological response. When you get the jab, it just triggers one specific aspect when your entire body's not ready for it, which makes the response or which makes the consequences of that one uh, enhanced immunological response much more devastating because the rest of the body's not ready to deal with it, to, to dumb it down to the way I understood it. Does that make sense? Yeah, which could lead to original antigenic sin, which is, you know, it's uh, 
immune imprinting. Like basically you're, you're going to lead yourself with, with, um, um, uh, boosters with constant, uh, antigenic stimulation. You're, you're going to basically like, uh, numb your responses for, for lack of a better way of saying it. So, yeah, I, I made a comment to, um, to a, uh, a reporter on this today, actually, because there was some, um, some hearing in Australia and one of these doctors was commenting, uh, about a comment made about this and he, you know, he's, he's he got professor in front of his name and he's a GP and he's a data guy and a health policy guy. And he, he had no idea what this was. And so she asked me to comment on that. And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised because even if you're a full-fledged medical doctor these days, you might get one course in immunology. And unless you like really paid attention, you, you probably know nothing about immunology and you definitely know nothing about vaccinology. So my question to her, which I hope appears in her article that she's writing, is why do so many GPs authorize themselves to, to dish out millions of vaccines or maybe in their own practice, you know, tens of thousands of vaccines to people when they know nothing about basic immunology. No, because they're, they're told they're told it's safe and effective. I mean, this is this is when we kind of lost no, faith. It's it's a cop out. It's like you're the medical professional. You're the person that these people are going to because they trust that, you know, they trust that you're up to date. They, they trust that you understand this. It's like. You're betraying people's trust, man. Well, and that's that's only for those who even think to ask. And this is when we had a falling out with a specific doctor. We're like, how how are you recommending this for our our kids? It's like, well, it's it, it was around for six months at the time. This, this you know, it was nuts. Tell me anything about it. That's what I would have said. Tell me anything about the modus operandi. Oh well, no, but they, they would have. He would have gone with the reflexive. Well, it triggers a response, much like you know, much like a, a vaccine in the oh. traditional sense. I, I would have like hammered him, hammered him, hammered him. We we. So but, we we knew nothing at the time. I mean, we we my uh, wife my wife was more scientifically skeptic. Um, but it's just like the definitive affirmation of safety and and efficacy when there was absolutely no reason to say it. And they're amazing. still saying that crap. <laughs> well, it means nothing. It's, it means nothing anymore. Jessica is my younger sister from another mother. I used to have I used to be a database analyst before I retired. Says this is crazy. And neurodivergent says, coffee lowers my heart rate. You're like my dad. My dad has coffee and then goes to bed. I have coffee after four o'clock in the afternoon. That happens to me too. I have a really re reverse effect with it. But it's usually when my tolerance is higher that that can happen. I mean, now I'm only having one or two cups in the morning. But yeah, I can fall asleep dead after a cup of coffee. Funny, hey? That's, I, that, it, it, yeah, for me, I, I, I had a Starbucks, uh, what was it called? A sweet, sweet vanilla cold brew. It's gut rot just thinking about that. No, it, it was, it's so, there's, there's sugar in it. And then I had, and I didn't realize there's so much caffeine in it. I'm like, why do I feel so, I'm very sensitive to caffeine. I'm very sensitive in general. Uh, let's see if we got, there's, there's. Because I don't eat sugar. And so like, well, I eat dark chocolate. So if I have, um, I did an experiment the other day because there was uh, milk chocolate around. So I had one square and when, when I have sugar, like at all, I, I get this thing in my face where it goes and I sweat. Like I have an immediate reaction to it. Like everything gets charged and I'm like, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> well, that's, that, that is, it's a good, it's a good deterrent to avoid the, uh, to, to avoid that. There's no, no benefit to white chocolate because it's not even chocolate from what I understand. It's just sugar and something else. And it, 
Uh, please thank Jessica for her interest in vitamin D. She will be amazed. Please refer to Campbell's second pandemic video. That's from Critical Thought. And um, <laughs> Parther says, I hate, when, I hate it when people say you're not a doctor. No, but I can read data or data. Kevin Q says, Viva, like you said, the worst thing of all of this, hold on, the chat's going, is that there is no debate or discussion between various expert opinions, which trickles down and limits information. It's money corrupts everything. This has been a political operation. This has been a financial operation. And the, the, the idea that anybody would say safe and effective for something that had been administered for the first time in humans ever with six months of, of trial data at best and 108, I don't know, however many, it, it, it was, it was, I just never fully appreciated how much damage it could cause. And unfortunately, I'm learning now, but I'm, I'm good. Touch wood. Pupukanenahora. Jess, I will not keep you much longer. And in fact, I will not keep you any longer. We're going to say our proper goodbyes. Um, it's amazing. It's fantastic. Thank you for coming on. And I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk off air with you about my experience with those fucking whack jobs because I don't want to give them, I don't want to give them oxygen uh, uh, with those people who doesn't matter. Okay. Oh, uh, wait, there was one more tip that just came in here. Hold on. Let me see this here. Tipped. It was, does Jessica have a locals? You do, Jess, right? Uh, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I do, but I don't use it. Okay. Go to the sub stack. I'll put it up there and, and you should, I'll, I'll help you maximize the, uh, you know, the, it's amazing to have a locals community. It's the, it's the proper alternative to Patreon. Okay. Uh, okay, so I'm going to end this for everybody watching. Thank you all for being here. Stay tuned for Car Vlog. Stay tuned for InfoWars. Jess, I'm going to talk... Read Dave Henderson's book on vitamin D. Read who? Dave Henderson? David Henderson's book on vitamin D. Okay, I'm going to tell my wife to do that so she can give me the, uh, the Coles Notes summary. Unless I have an audiobook on this. All right, Jess, stick around. We'll talk for a bit afterwards. Everybody in Locals, uh, see you soon. Thank you for being here. Mm -hmm.